And like, as that's translated into the US, right? Like, Mm-hmm. I feel like that convinces a lot of people that like there couldn't be some sort of system that would be able to address it because every socialized system can be like inherently manipulated to produce results like the UK. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I guess one one more thing to say on the like broader history of it. Well, I guess there's a, I guess there's a few things to say on this. So obviously in, in many circles, the notion that a, uh, uh, cisgendered teenage girl would um be able to access uh birth control hormones right as uh, without their parents being aware and without being them consenting um obviously in many right-wing circles this is still um not accepted at all like uh, i was raised a catholic so like the church newspapers mm-hmm. that you'd read would still have like fulminating like furious opinion pa- pieces about this situation um, along with like descriptions of plan B kind of medication as abortificants and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> so you see in, in British feminism, there is uh, there was a piece in the Times. So this is the, the Times of London, as it's known in America, not the New York Times. Um, but uh, there was a piece by one of the regular pundits who offers opinions on this gender ideology uh, business, <laughs> predictably from this kind of like middle class white feminist perspective. Um, Janice Turner, she wrote this piece, which is trying to explain how... Um, how like cisgendered, uh, cisgendered teenage girls using a mixture of estrogen and progesterone is, is totally different. Sorry, progesterone is totally different to, to transgender hmm. teenage girls using a mixture of estrogen and progesterone to uh, change their body for a desired outcome. And it's just these, um, yeah, it's this, it, it's an interesting kind of like situation that many British feminists uh, of a transphobic bent have kind of landed themselves into. They're having to make these very much like um, angels dancing on the needle of a pinhead kind of distinctions between what mm-hmm. um, what exactly an acceptable intervention is, and especially like why parental authority ends up being um, validated like along the way, uh, right. and it's exactly because of this notion that like uh, trans transgenderism is this delusion, this kind of delusional form. And as you say, there are these deep roots of it, and fundamentally, that's what the entire gender identity clinic system uh, is geared towards. It's kind of trying to evaluatively sort. Um, the people who are simply in some kind of extended psychosis mm. or fit of fancy or whatever from the genuine article transsexuals who are like down to the ground, authentic, like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Obviously yeah. I'm being, I'm I mean, it's, it's eugenics. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's eugenics in a way you have to prove ultimately um, you have to like prove in bioidentification terms right which is like a figment of our imagination and a construct of Mm. statistics like to prove someone's a genuine trans person like it's absolutely absurd yet um like many other principles of eugenics like this all ties into like you know preserving like cisgendered heterosexuality the reproduction of the race maternal birth rate all this kind of like bullshit of like oh we've got to like weed out the people we don't want to reproduce and systemically deny them care over and over again until they give up or go away or die. For sure. And that's, it justifies the delay. Cause they like, you know, of course, like whatever, no one's going to prioritize the wait time at a, at a gender identity clinic. If you can convince society to not prioritize trans people first. Yeah. And on that, on that topic of eugenics, uh, yeah. One of the things we mentioned in the piece is this 2014. Um, yeah. Concerning like, as you might imagine, as I've mentioned before, any any kind of like irregularity uh, as perceived by, um, you know, a, a paid up medical professional 
professional with an MD, um, like any, uh, you know, like uh, non-binary identification, autism, intersex variation, uh, and of course, like any kind of like non-white ethnic background, any of those is a potential source of interruption. So there's this like Action for Trans Health study from 2014, which we mentioned in the piece, which kind of tries to explore what um, uh, life looks like for people of color, transgender people of color, or BME to use the um, local terminology. Uh, and like, obviously it's, it's not a good picture. It's, uh, one of those questions mm-hmm. where I think one of the things we say in the piece is you're basically looking at the clinics. They, they're basically like this interrogator's stress test. Hello, this is Daniel Beatrice's screen reader program. Support us at patreon.com slash death panel pod to hear the full episode and get access to patron only content with love the death panel.